everybody. It's the 2nd of March, and welcome to the unscheduled CEO. Timing was a little off on that one. Oops. Press the wrong button there. This week I'm going to be talking about a study on a new study on money and happiness. Can money make you happy? Happy money. So, hey everyone, welcome back to the Unscheduled CEO Podcast on another unscheduled release date for the podcast. And as you can see, I'm getting more and more sloppy with it and more and more unscheduled, uh, which is kind of what I expected to happen. So, last week I said that, you know, the, the episode you were listening to could potentially be the final episode of the podcast. And I'm also saying that today, you never know. You never know when it's a little like, little art project like this whether or not i'm going to keep it up or whether or not it's just like a yeah just a little phase um because what i'm doing usually is i'm tinkering i'm just trying out new things i'm just seeing what i enjoy doing and i'm just like following a thread and the thread right now i really hope this is all recording the thread right now is just trying out this unedited podcast approach testing out all the equipment And the funny thing is, you know, maybe this podcast will never become a thing, but just learning how to do all of this stuff is going to lead to something. It always does. Okay, so, uh, yeah, usually at the start of the start of the episode, I give you a little update on what's happening with AJ and Smart. So, yeah, since the last time we talked, we closed February, February, February. (laughs) Can anyone actually say that? February. Uh, we closed the February numbers, <clears throat> meaning it's now March. It's March 2nd, like I said at the start. And so uh, we we had our best... Uh, February was our best month ever. Uh, best... No, that's not true. It was our best February ever as a business and also our best non-sale month, meaning a month where there was no Black Friday sale or no crazy summer sale. So our best baseline month, which was very good. Um, best meaning most revenue, most profit. So that's good. Growth feels good. Feels like progress. And as I talked about on the podcast before, um, money is just a great way to measure progress in a business. Uh, whether you agree with that or not, that's just how it is. Um, so yeah, closing out the month, we... We're running a couple of different things at the same time. So Facilitation Fundamentals had its like second cohort or third cohort or something. And that did quite well. Just trying to find like the correct funnel for that. Laura and her team are trying to find the correct funnel. The one that can be used uh, over and over again over many years. And uh, yeah, that usually takes quite a while to, to come to that version of the funnel that you can really just 
not set and forget, but you can always be confident that it's always going to bring in customers. Uh, and we're also talking about this is, I guess, a tease. We're trying to figure out a way, like what if we would tr- if we would want to get facilitators in our community more clients, help them get their first client, help them get to. I don't know, 100k per month or 100k per year. How? What? Are, what are what are the things that those people are going to need? So we t- we've been talking about that in terms of a new product or a new service or a new whatever. Like how, how? What would we have to do to get facilitators to the point where we are, where it's relatively easy to get clients? Because we know the demand is there for facilitation, but we also know that facilitators are not natural. <laughs> like marketers and salespeople. So we're trying to figure out like what what are people lacking? And I'm learning this through, you know, two years straight now of doing coaching calls in our higher highest tier uh, program called Workshop or Master. So yeah, that's something that we're, something that I'm learning. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's it basically. Just like, um, yeah, and this podcast, it's definitely interesting. I definitely have really enjoyed the first seven episodes um, it's been a great little journal, but I am losing interest in it <laughs> for sure. I'm losing interest in this uh, experiment. Um, and so who knows, maybe if, if there's no episode next week, the, the, so the blog is sort of the central part of all of this, the how to business.substack.com. So the Substack is where all of this content is coming from. And so if I stop doing the podcast and I, do something else then how to business.substack.com is the place to go um currently yeah that that's where everyone should subscribe if they want to if the podcast dies but you know it also could just become a more unscheduled podcast that i put out once a month or once a quarter or who knows just whenever i feel like it um i'm not i'm not going to stress myself and stick to any specific plan um right now because obviously this podcast is not a revenue generating project it's just a an experiment so uh and, and as part of this experiment i like to sort of bring topics that i'm interested in and uh i don't know so yeah i thought this would be an interesting topic we can already jump straight to the topic today i don't know what else is i don't know if there's anything else to talk about besides topic um let's jump to the topic the topic today Wait, I gotta hit my main topic music button. Oh, I don't have the window set up. Fuck. There we go. There we go. If you're on YouTube, you can now see what I'm talking about. So it's an article from the Harvard Business School called more proof that money can buy happiness or a life with less stress thanks laura for sending me this laura's sitting over there with her head i'm thanking you for sending me this article (laughs) i'm gonna read it now everyone um the feedback i've been getting from the podcast laura is that people like when i read out an entire article badly you know that's what people have been saying yeah it's what people like all right so we're gonna look at this article here and we're gonna talk about it um Again, it's called More Proof That Money Can Buy Happiness or a Life with Less Stress. Uh, it's a common misconception that money doesn't buy happiness. It's just a very simple 
thing to say. It's an easy thing to say, especially if you're not pursuing um, a career that has a lot of financial reward. Then I guess that's a very good thing to say because you then don't have to worry about the fact that you're missing out on something. But uh, there are a lot of studies that push against that fact. Um, and this is one of them. This is from, I don't know the date. Actually, I have no idea what the date is. When Six months ago. And I'm sure there's people in the comments here uh, of this article that are already complaining about it. Oh, it's from 25th of January, 2022. It's from a year ago. So it's not about the bigger home or the better vacation. Financial stability helps people escape the everyday hassles of life, says research by John Jachimovics. Jachimovics. Um, I don't know how to say that name. I know how to say John. Okay. When we wonder whether money can buy happiness, we may consider the luxuries it provides, like the expensive dinners and lavish vacations. But cash is key in another part, in another, (laughs) here we go, cash is key in another important way. I'm going to press this button. Let's get some music in here. Money can provide calm and control, allowing us to buy our way out of unforeseen bumps in the road. Whether it's a small nuisance like dodging a rainstorm by ordering an Uber or a bigger worry like handling an unexpected hospital bill, says Harvard Business School professor John Jakimovich. If we only focus on the happiness that money can bring, I think we're missing something here, says Jakimovich, an assistant professor of business administration in the organizational behavior unit or the OBU at HBS. We also need to think about all the worries that it can free us from. And I think I think that is a really big thing if you're uh if you're someone who who like for me I definitely didn't have a lot of money in my 20s because I was building this business and now I definitely have a more um yeah, let's say, I, yeah, well, I have more money now. Um, and it definitely, these things, yeah, like that, that's not what, that, that's what people don't really realize. Just being able to get an Uber somewhere and not even thinking about it. That for me is one of the biggest, biggest parts of it. Just like even just being like, oh, um, I don't know, something has happened and we need to delay our vacation and we can't get a, like we can't get a refund on the flight or something and just being able to book another flight and not really stressing about it it's more these conveniences or avoiding inconveniences that dramatically reduces stress so i'm going to come back to that so i definitely agree with this so the idea that money can reduce stress in everyday life and make people happier impacts not only the poor but also more affluent americans living at the edge of their means in a bumpy economy indeed in 2019 one in every four americans faced financial scarcity according to the board of governor blah, blah, blah. the findings are particularly important as okay okay whatever we're not we don't need to go into american economy stuff okay buying less stress the inspiration so the inspiration for researching how many how money alleviates hardships came from advice that i'm just going to say john john's father gave him after years of living living as a struggling graduate student John received his appointment at HBS and the financial stability that came with it. My father said to me, you're going to have to learn how to spend money to fix problems. The idea stuck with John, causing him to think differently about even the everyday misfortunes we all face. 
To test the relationship between cash and life satisfaction, John and his colleagues from the University of Southern California, Groningen University and Columbia Business School conducted a series of experiments which are outlined in a forthcoming paper in the Journal of Social Psychology and Personal Sciences. Um, okay, whatever. And I think for me, really, it was only really in 2022 and 20, maybe mid-2021 that I actually started using my money in a way that was about dramatically reducing my stress, um, like taking Ubers, uh, like ordering food more often instead of cooking, like having a cleaner. Um, <clears throat> these kind of things are game changers. They Like the things that I used to stress about, oh, what am I going to cook today or oh fuck, like it's pissing raining outside and I'm going to have to cycle or get to the, the train station. Um, just reducing those things have definitely overall reduced my life stress. Um, so higher income, this is the next uh, header, higher income, and I know I, I'm not doing caveats anymore on this fucking podcast when I, it's it's funny when I post about the podcast on LinkedIn, I have people replying in the comments where it's like, they're the type of people you need to have caveats for for every sentence. It's like, oh, um, me saying, oh, I think remote work could cause issues. And then someone being like, well, if you don't like remote work, you fucking hate blah, blah, blah. It's like, uh, well, it's, you obviously didn't listen to the podcast, but it doesn't. So higher income amounts to lower stress. In one study, 522 participants kept a diary for 30 days, tracking daily events and their emotional response to them. Participants' incomes in the previous year range from less than 10,000 to 150,000 or more. They found money reduces intense stress. There was no significant difference in how often the participants experienced distressing events, no matter how their in how big their income. They recorded a similar amount of daily frustrations, but those with higher incomes experienced less negative intensity from those events. More money brings greater control. Those with higher incomes felt they had more control over negative events and that control reduced their stress. People with ample incomes felt more agency to deal with whatever hassles may arise. And higher incomes lead to higher life satisfaction. People with higher incomes were generally more satisfied with their lives. And... I can tell you as someone who's, I'm, I'm kind of like a hybrid, you know, I, I, I can, I walk between the worlds of, uh, people who are very high income and people who are with, within normal kind of everyday, day to day jobs. And I can definitely tell you the people that I know with more money are less stressed and seem to be more satisfied. And when I say seem to me, it seemed to be, it's, well, I spend a lot of time with them and I'm very sure they're more satisfied. And that's not what you generally hear because you generally hear, um, or at least, you know, I, I, I always had the impression, oh, people with lots of money are always stressed and always, they're actually unhappy and they, they just buy stuff and it doesn't make them happy, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, that's, that's probably the people at the extreme ends, the type of people who post on Instagram about their new Lamborghini. Um, but the quieter people who, um, have high incomes, they're generally quite satisfied. Even when shit, the normal shit of day-to-day -day is happening, um, it is less stressful for them. So yeah, that, that is something I think, if you're listening to this podcast, hopefully you're able to, the, the whole point here is like, 
for many of us, it is a choice whether we want to move, put effort into learning how to make money or not. And I think a lot of people are like, yeah, well, money doesn't make happy uh, make you happy anyway. And if you learn that it actually can reduce stress dramatically, and it does, then I think it even makes it more interesting to pursue high income uh, skills and uh, you know, learn. You know, making money is actually something you learn. So um, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but there's this just this last part. Uh, why cash matters in another study. Researchers presented about 400 participants with daily dilemmas, like finding time to cook meals, getting around in an area with poor public, <laughs> with poor public, with poor public transportation, or working from home among children in tight spaces. Oh yeah, that's another thing. Um, you know, m- more income also means bigger, bigger living spaces in more convenient areas. Uh, They then asked participants how they would solve the problems, either using cash to resolve it or asking friends and family for assistance. Here are the results. People lean on family and friends regardless of income. John and his colleagues found that there was no difference in how often people suggested turning to friends and family for help. For example, by asking a friend for a ride or asking a family member to help with childcare or dinner. Cash is the answer for people with money. The higher a person's income, however, the more likely they were to suggest money as a solution to a hassle. For example, by calling an Uber or ordering takeout. While such results might be expected, John says people might not consider the extent to which the daily hassles we all face create more stress for cash-strapped individuals, or the way a lack of cash may tax social relationships if people are always asking family and friends for help rather than using their own money to solve a problem. The question is, when problems come your way, to what extent do you feel like you can deal with them, that you can walk through life and knowing everything is going to be okay, John says. Yeah, so there's, there's, then it goes more into the study. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's an interesting way to look at it. You know, it's not about buying happiness. It doesn't have to be about that topic. It, uh, it's about reducing overall stress. And I can tell you for me in 2022, a lot of stressful life events, which I'm not going to be talking about on this podcast, but just having cash to solve a lot of these problems made my life a lot less stressful, a lot less. Um, yeah. So agree i agree with this as someone who has been on both sides of the income wealth uh coin it it definitely makes life less stressful and i definitely think especially if you're in your 20s and you're listening to this i think it was helpful for me to listen to people like uh ramit seti and tim ferris talking about and noah kagan talking about these things openly when i was in my 20s because most people are like ashamed to talk about money topic it's just evil um but then you end up back at, you end up in that spiral of then oh, well i'm not going to pursue it I'm, and then you know when you're in your 30s and 40s you're maybe irritated that you didn't i definitely know a lot of people who are irritated and annoyed that they didn't pursue uh, money making and money making skills in their 20s i just i i i'm glad i did basically 
Um, yeah, interesting, uh, interesting article. Maybe it wasn't, maybe it was. And um, I'm just wondering, is there anything else I wanted to go into? Mm. Yeah, a while ago, I wanted to talk about this, uh, how to get what you want out of life. And then I went into the selfishness topic. But I don't think I'm going to do that today. I'm going to, I'm just going to keep it chill. I'm just going to keep it chill. So yeah, what, what are the things that I've learned from doing this pod? What, what was my biggest take? If I'm taking a break from this podcast now, who knows? Maybe there'll be an episode next week, but I have a feeling there won't be. Um, I think my biggest takeaway from this entire experiment, or for, first of all, my favorite topic was the atomization one. So I think that was, what episode was that? So if you're listening to this and you and you haven't listened to the other episodes, uh, my favorite episode was, hmm, <laughs> what one was it? Uh, was it this one? Uh, nope. Was it this one? Uh, how to figure out what you want to do in life. Is this the one? I think it's up. No, it can't be. It's episode two. Yeah, episode two. A new concept that will make you 23% happier. Um, that one, I think, is the best episode overall in terms of the topic. It's this topic of um, li- living a more integrated life. And that's the one I've definitely, like, making that episode and uh, kind of pulling together the articles for it and the research for it uh, has had to, had the biggest effect on me. So definitely check that out. I want to know also for you what was the most uh, valuable. Let me know at howtobusiness.substack.com or you can post underneath the YouTube video, whatever uh, works for you. I know this episode going like losing steam fast, uh, but that's that's quite okay. I'm just opening up the last episode here. Okay, so I've got, I'm trying to figure, when did that come out? Six days ago. What date was that? That was, what date, why doesn't it say on YouTube, why doesn't it say the date? I'm trying to figure out which emails are new and which ones are not. So six days ago would have been the 24th, 20, 23rd, I think 23rd. So 23rd, anything after the 23rd is a new, <laughs> is a new comment. This is a disaster, isn't it? Because I've got a couple of, I've got a couple of final, potentially final emails to read of your emails so let's have a look here 24th yes yes these are all new okay let's go to let's go to let's go to your emails i think that's uh i think that's a good idea let's go to your emails one two three Johannes writes in, he says, hey, Jonathan, this episode, and and he's referring to the last episode where I talked about remote work. Um, Hey, Jonathan, this episode made me think a lot about how I feel in the remote first work environment I'm currently in. I concluded that I'd like to end this atomization of work experiment sooner or later. The integrated version of work in the office felt way better to me. The part I'm missing the most are the short talks with colleagues when you're able to naturally connect. In contrast to that, for me, 
Many in-person work meetings today feel like the arranged dinner parties with friends you described in a previous episode. Many expectations and a lot of pressure. I'm wondering, how do freelancers prevent becoming a loner? Yeah, it's... it's uh, Look, I think um, last episode I talked about this thing that like, yes, it's very convenient to work from home all the time, but... Yeah, it starts to become this extremely atomized experience, very non-integrated. You have to like put effort into meeting people. You don't get that community uh, bar filled up. Um, you have to you have to get it from other places. And yeah, when you actually go to the office, you end up in these very, you know. Finally, when you go to the office on a specific day for a specific meeting, you you, you don't even have time to get warmed up to the people again, and it becomes quite transactional. Yeah, and I know I posted this on LinkedIn, the episode on LinkedIn, of course, a couple of comments, um, exactly what I expected. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, 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 regardless of what people think about the remote work thing, I think people in their 20s careers will likely suffer by not having a place to go to to meet people in person regularly. Of course, I don't care. You can, like I said, I have a remote, one fully remote company. I you don't have to like i mean you you can work from home all you want i don't really care it's more like a general piece of career advice that i think it is generally a good idea in your 20s to have people around you colleagues people who can become friends people who can quit with you and start your own company and i think those things are easier they come up more often over lunch when you're going for a walk with someone from the office um, these things are not going to come up over Zoom as often, in my opinion. And how do you do it as a freelancer? <laughs> uh, I wouldn't. I, I think it's a good idea to freelance for. I mean, we have freelancers working at AJ and Smart. It's a good idea to freelance for a company that has an office that you can go into, especially if you're in your twenties. I, I, I think that's a solution. You ask them, "Hey, can I work from your office?" Because that's how you're also going to get more work. If you're a freelancer, remote, it's hyper-transactional, hyper-hyper-transactional. You're going to do the job for them. They're going to forget about you. Then you'll find another job. Whereas if you work in the office, you might again, you might meet someone who you start a company with. It's, it's just selfishly, I think, better to have a physical space to go to. But you also want to look for a company that's not optional remote because then the offices are kind of dead and it's kind of pointless anyway. Um, uh, that's, that's my thoughts on that. Thanks for writing in. Jake Williams writes, this was a great episode for self-reflection as somebody who is and was very pro remote working. This episode really made me think about how my own relationship has changed. Once I was the person in the office, bouncing around the room, learning from anybody and everybody who gave me the time of day, organizing team events and the last to leave the bar. Maybe not the best. I I think it's a good thing. I mean, a lot of relationships start around being at the bar. Now I find that my relationship has turned, as you mentioned, very transactional. I wake up, do my work, get paid. Unfortunately, my relationships within the company have also become equally transactional. I think it might be time to fall back in love with work. Thanks, Jonathan. Yeah, Jake, I mean, I, I talk to a lot of people... Even uh, a lot of people working at AJ and Smart. Um, again, I'm in a, I'm in a quite a nice position of running 
two different types of businesses, one fully remote, one more hybrid. And um, a lot of people feel start. I'm starting to see a lot of people feeling kind of like a bit lonely, a bit depressed, a bit uh, low energy when they work at home for long periods of time. But it's almost like so convenient and so like one employee at AJ and Smart says, like, it's so hard to get out the door and come to the office, even though I know it's good for me. It's the same thing as going to a gym. It's like just getting out the door and actually making it happen when it's not mandatory is so difficult. And yeah, like, um, it's interesting to hear employees telling me, yeah, like, I'd, I would love to be here more often, but I just, it's just too fucking comfortable. Um, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's fucking, I totally get it. If you don't have to come to the office, then, uh, then like, why wouldn't you just stay in your PJs all day? I get it. But yeah, I, (sighs) look, if you're, my goal is to kind of, my goal with this podcast and my goal when I'm talking to people is to help people kind of build satisfying careers. Oh shit, I just realized the YouTube version of this it looks shitty because I've been resizing the window the whole time. Um, yeah, like, I, I, I think if you're looking for, like, life satisfaction and um, a good career, then fully remote working um, from a country location unless you have a really integrated life with lots of friends there and lots of people coming and going um from what i've seen people start to get a little bit weird and a little bit lonely but then they also almost you adapt to it and adapt to a more hermity style life and then it's really hard to get back um to the non-hermity style life like I, I can tell when people are at this office at AJ and Smart who haven't been here for a while. Uh, they also tell me this, that they feel weird being around other people. I don't know if that's a good thing, but whatever. Who cares? You know, I mean, unf- like, I, I guess it's rare to hear someone saying, like me, I'm saying, I benefit from the remote work thing as well. I benefit from people, um, from not having to have a bigger office, uh, from being able to hire people all over the world i benefit from these things but the people themselves i'm like mm. Mm. i don't know okay and and some people are like some people have a better grasp of remote remote working than others some people have a better lifestyle setup than others and uh of course you can't generalize but but generalizing is way more fun um mm. I don't know if I read this one last week, but I'm going to read it anyway. So David Finnegan writes in, I personally love the freedom of remote work, but I definitely wouldn't want to spend the rest of my life remote only unless I moved to Bali or something. As you said, it's largely down to preference. Yeah. Well, I think, I don't know, Some um, somebody wrote on LinkedIn, like under this podcast, they were like, yeah, it depends on people's preference. That's actually not the point I'm trying to make. I think everyone will choose, the majority of people, especially over 30, will choose work from home. If they had to choose only office or only work from home, I think 
my feeling is the majority of people are just going to naturally gravitate towards the more convenient one, which I totally understand. Um, I just don't think it's, I, I think the, the cons are not being talked about a lot. Okay. Um, but the pros and cons aside, the question I keep coming back to is how much of the return to office drive is based on conventional knowledge. I don't even know. And I don't know whether it's better for the businesses or not. Um, I think my big point in the previous episode is just how it affects the individual's careers. But yeah, anyway, kind of like when the high street retailer Scott, yeah, actually, I, I honestly think in a lot of cases, remote is better for companies because it's cheaper. <laughs> Okay, kind of like when high street retailers scoffed at the idea of online retail was a threat to their business, and now most of these high street retailers are owned by online retailers or dead. The conventional knowledge was wrong, and doubling down on their brick-and-mortar stores wound up costing them business. Not really sure if that's where we're heading with work. Maybe in-person is really better. Maybe remote work is just waiting for the Amazon of remote work to, <laughs> to emerge. I think there are going to be a lot of successful remote businesses absolutely and and many of them will beat the revenue targets of the in-person ones but again i think it's more the individuals are going to be unless society changes and and amenities and things are built in a way that working from home is actually less lonely and less isolating i think it's it's going to be weird yeah but really thanks so much for everyone who wrote in uh, thanks to everyone who's been listening to the podcast. Um, you can catch me at howtobusiness.substack.com. Uh, I'll probably take next week off the podcast and we'll see if there's another one. Um, let's see what else. Uh, it's been really fun doing this podcast. It's been really fun. I really appreciate all the people who actually listened to it uh, and com- took the time to comment. That's a really, like, I really appreciate that. I hope this was a valuable season of the unscheduled CEO. Um, maybe it also gave some people the, um, br- I don't know, maybe maybe seeing that you can do a podcast without any editing, uh, without with very little preparation, but that can also be somewhat entertaining and have a, you know, relatively good listener base gives people some inspiration to do, to not spend so much time trying to make stuff and just start um thanks to the roadcaster pro 2 for being the greatest and worst device i've ever used in my entire life (laughs) and um yeah i'll see you all so i'm not i'm i'm currently not using social media uh so where you can catch me is howtobusiness.substack.com thank you so much everyone for listening and i hope you have a lovely week weekend life Thank you so much.